I just wanted to do a standalone talking about Independence Day, talking about the future of our nation. I ran across a quote um, a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of made me pause and think for a second. It said that if God does not judge America soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I thought to myself, well, okay. Um, and I'm not sure that that quote completely is accurate because I'm not sure that it reflects biblical principle that we're going to um, unpack today. And so um, our text comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 27. We'll be reading verses 1 and 2 and verse 6. But in addition to that, I'm going to ask if we would to stand to our feet for the reading of God's Word, but also to pledge our flag today. So let's stand together. We're going to begin by pledging our flag, and then we'll read God's Word together. Let's begin with the pledge of the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And then our text comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 27, verses 1 and 2 and 6. Here we go. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, except he did not enter the temple of the Lord, but the people still followed corrupt practices. In verse 6, so Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to kind of walk into this topic today, but it's very, we need to establish at the front end that first of all, that God is sovereign and that God, whatever his plans are for a nation, he can carry those out. Uh, but he does operate with regard to nations and his judgment over nations according to a biblical principle. And it's that biblical principle that we want to draw out today. Um, and that biblical principle can be found over in Leviticus 26, 3 and 2, or 3 and 4, uh, where he says, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, verse 4, then I will give you your rains in their season, the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall uh, yield their fruit. So what he's saying there is that, uh, that a nation's prosperity, that a nation's blessing from God is directly connected to that nation's obedience toward God. For example, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1, Moses speaking there, it says, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments that I command you today, then the Lord your God will set you high above on the nations, all the nations of the earth, verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God. And this is why David said over in Psalm 33 and verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The point there being is that the, that uh, the well-being of America depends far more on, uh, not on its obedience to God, or more on its obedience to God than it does our gross national product. Now, based on that idea or that biblical principle, I believe that we have some real challenges ahead of us here in America. And so let me remind you of some of those challenges. Pornography in this country is out of control. The most explicit forms of it are streaming through our TV, pay-per-view, it's on the internet, wherever you want to find it. Alcohol and drug abuse are at epidemic proportions. The rate of divorce in America has remained incorrigibly high, above 50%. Homosexuality has become a nationally accepted lifestyle, despite what the Bible has to say about it. And how, and how about the, abortion, the issue of abortion? The statistics on abortion are staggering. More human lives have been taken through abortion tenfold of the number of people that have died in all the wars that America has fought. And yet the Supreme Court refuses to reverse Roe v. Wade. And then you add to that list all the incidents of violence and assault and criminal behavior, and you would think that the powers that would be, that be in this country would say, enough, 
is enough. We're done with this. So here's what we've got. We've got a Supreme Court that, that has legalized abortion and has forced God out of our schools and out of the public sphere. We have a media that is dominated by people that despise all biblical truth and fight actively against that. Uh, we have groups like the ACLU who are funded by government tax dollars seeking to annihilate all Christian influence from public life in America. And we have a Congress that seems to have more of a, prepon a preponderance of politicians who are more concerned about re-election than they are concerned about national righteousness. And so what can we do? Because when we look at all that, it can be very depressing. When we look at all that and we think about the, consider the depravity in our nation, we consider the degradation in our nation, it makes us want to throw our hands up and say, what can the righteous do? What can we do to try and offset this or to begin heading America back in a better direction? Well, I've got some good news for you from the scriptures today because of what the Bible tells us is that we don't have to reverse all of those forces in order to secure God's blessing over this nation. Friends, the solution to our dilemma is found in the biblical concept, the biblical idea of the power of the remnant. And so that's where we want to spend our time today. Let me explain what I mean by that. No nation in the history of the world has ever had 100% of its uh, members as followers of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, no nation in the history of the world can ever say that all of the members, all the citizens of our nation have been 100% been Christians. No nation in the history of the world can say that all of its members were 100% obedient to God. I mean, even when the nation of Israel had its most God-fearing kings, and even when God's blessings were at their most magnanimous, there were still ungodly people in that nation doing ungodly things. Take a look at the text that we read just a little bit ago. 2 Chronicles 27, beginning at verse 1. It says, Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign in Israel, verse 2, and Jotham did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but the people, so Jotham was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, some of his court were doing what was right, some of the people in the nation were doing what was right, it says, but the people, though, as a whole, the general populace, still followed corrupt practices, verse 3. Nevertheless, Jotham built up the upper gate of the house of the Lord, that is the temple, and did much building on the wall, verse 4. Moreover, he built cities in the hill country of Judah and forts and towers on the wooded hills, verse 5. He fought with the kings of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the Ammonites gave him that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 of barley. The Ammonites paid him the same amount in the second year and in the third year. It's just pointing to the fact that uh, things were really prospering under Jotham's reign. Last verse, verse 6. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. And the same scenario that we see there in 2 Chronicles 27 is played out in the days of King Josiah. It's played out in the days of King Jotham. And it's played out in the, day, in the days of King David and Jehoshaphat and every other God-fearing king that came along. There were unbelieving people in the nation doing ungodly things in the days of Jotham, in the days of David, in the days of Jehoshaphat, and yet God's blessing and his mercy still resided on the nation of Israel. Do you see that? Nod your head. I know you're thinking about what's coming on later today and the barbecue and all that stuff. But God blessed the nation of Israel anyway, in spite of the fact that there were people living inside of that nation that were doing ungodly and nasty things. The point is that the fortunes of Israel did not go up and down based on the spiritual condition of the general populace. The fortunes of Israel went up and down based on the spiritual condition of the remnant of those that were following after God with their whole heart. To put it in another way, whenever the remnant of God was spiritually zealous and active for the Lord and faithful to God, God blessed those nations. The opposite is true. 
Whenever that remnant became sloppy and apathetic and disobedient to God, God did not bless the nation. So to put it simply, when it comes to God blessing a nation, humanly speaking, it's all about the spiritual condition of the remnant that is inside of that nation. You say, Gordon, okay, I get your point. I see what you're saying, but I have a question for you. My question is, are you sure? I mean, it seems like you're extrapolating a pretty big biblical principle that affects a whole lot of people on the basis of what a group, a smaller group of people living within that nation are doing and how they're responding to God. Are you sure that this is a real biblical principle? Absolutely, I'm sure. Let me give you another, another example of this over in Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter, eight, chapter 18, we, learn, we see there the story of God coming to visit with Abraham. He comes with two angels. This is God incarnate. This is Jesus Christ in the flesh, second person of the Trinity, appears on the earth. Remember, Jesus is the person of the Godhead that appears in human flesh. And he appears to Abraham and sits down and has a meal with Abraham. And he tells Abraham that Abraham's wife Sarah is going to have a child. But another thing that he tells him is that we're on our way to go from here to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And these angels that are with me are going to destroy that city. And so Abraham, hearing this, is a little bit flustered by that. He knows he has his nephew um, Lot that lives there and his family. And so he says, he kind of begins to make a bargain with God. And he says to God, he says, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 23, will you indeed swap or will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Verse 24, suppose there are 50 righteous people there, God, within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it on behalf of that 50? And then here's God's response. Now watch, verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And then Abraham proceeds to do what Jewish people are very good and known for doing down through the ages. He bargains with God, and he bargains him all the way down to 10 people. And he figures, well, surely there's 10 people between those two cities that are righteous, and, and everything will be safe. And so he bargains God down to 10 people, and so God agrees, okay, look, if there's 10 righteous people in those cities, then I will spare the whole cities, um, and, and I won't destroy them. And so as you know, the angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they could not find even 10 righteous people. And so God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. But what this passage in Genesis 18 reveals to us is that in every nation and in every society, God has respect for the remnant. Had there been a godly remnant, get this, had there been a godly remnant in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have spared those cities. That's exactly what he's saying here. This is why Isaiah said, Isaiah 1 and verse 9, that if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, that is, a few godly people, a remnant, we should have become like Sodom, and we would have become like Gomorrah. But God left us with a faithful remnant. Like I said earlier, when it comes to God's blessing on a nation, humanly speaking, it is all about the spiritual condition of the remnant within that nation. Well, that's the biblical principle that we want to share with you today in our treatment of this text, and so that means it's time for us to ask the question that we love to ask around here. We ask it every week, what difference does all this make to my life? You say, Gordon, I mean, I get the point. I see what you're saying, but the fireworks are going to be going off uh, later on this evening, and we got a full day of stuff, and i got work tomorrow morning, and how does this impact my life? What difference does this make to me? Well, let's talk about that. The difference that it makes to us as Christians in America is when we begin to focus on all the sin and the degradation and the depravity that's going on around us, and we lose hope, and we feel powerless, and we feel helpless, and we look around at all the things that are going wrong in our nation, and we feel like we're doomed, 
Again, that God's judgment is going to fall on this nation. Friends, what God's word is saying to us today is that our focus is on the wrong thing. On the wrong thing. That we're looking out at all the stuff that's going wrong. We're saying God's judgment is going to come. God's judgment is going to come. But this principle says it's not focused out there. It's focused in here. You see, as followers of Christ, if we will rise up as the remnant within America, and if we will obey God, and we will honor God and be faithful to Him, God will show mercy to America for our sake. That's what, exactly what happened in Genesis 18. That's exactly what happened through the stories of the kings that honored God. The difference between America and Sodom is not that both countries are doing bad stuff. The difference is that there was no remnant in Sodom. And there was no remnant in Gomorrah. And so as followers of Christ, I'm here to declare from God's word that we are not powerless, that we are not disenfranchised, that we are not doomed, but rather that we can do something when it comes to securing God's mercy on this country. Uh, you're familiar with the verse, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. There's some little cards in the, in the seat pocket in front of you today that has that verse in there, and you can invite you to pray about this country uh, along the lines of what's on that card. It says, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What I want you to see is who God is speaking to in these verses. God is not speaking to the general populace, is he? He's not talking to uh, the people who are you know, running the nation, even. He's talking to the people called by my name. He's talking to you and I. He's talking to followers of Christ. And he says that if we, the remnant in that country, will follow after him, will seek him with our whole heart, then God will show mercy on the whole country. Before we go on, I want to share with you some ways that we as the remnant in America can do this. But before we do that, I also want to say that in America, we need to, we need to keep in mind that America stands as the, a great Christian nation uh, to other countries in the world. Other countries in the world still view America as a Christian nation. I mean, in America today, there are more students in Bible college and seminary than there are in any other nation on earth. In America today, more Christian literature is produced and sent out across America and throughout the world than by any other country in the world today. In America today, there is more TV programming and, and news media that is Christian-based that's produced in this country going out to other countries than in any other country in the world today. Thanks to the Gideons, we have Bibles in every drawer and every hotel room across this country. There are more children in church today, praise God, in America than there are in any other country in the world today. And so we even have God on our money, praise God. Thank, God, thank Him for that. So 50% of America turns their back on God, 60% of America, 75% of America turns their back on God, friends. May, they may be unchurched and doing some really nasty stuff, but what the Bible tells us is, what is the other percent that claims the name of Jesus doing about their relationship with him? Friends, because the size of the remnant in this nation, because of the prayers and the proactivity of the people in this nation, you know, that's just that points to us that it's way too soon for us to give up on this nation. Because as long as we who are followers of Christ in this nation, as long as we who are the godly remnant in America keep an active zeal for Christ, what did God say in Genesis chapter 18? He said, I will spare the whole place on account of the remnant. 
The challenge that we have is to never let America get to the point where it can be said of us, like Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, none is righteous. No, not even one. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, and no one does good, not even one. Friends, when that day comes in America, then the judgment of God will be close behind. I want to close by talking about three things that we can do to prevent ourselves from ever getting to that point. Number one, how can we in America keep the godly remnant strong in this nation and active in this nation? Number one, by raising a new generation that does not forget God. By raising a new generation that does not forget God. You know, one of the saddest verses in all Scripture is Judges chapter 2 and verse 10. Listen to these words. It says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, that is, they went on to be with the Lord. And uh, there arose another generation behind them, after them, who did not know the Lord, nor the work that he had done for Israel. What that means is that we as followers of Christ today in America must be deliberate and must be intentional to take the faith that we have and pass it on to the next generation, such that it is never the case that America, lack, America lacks a remnant. And, why this, and wh that's why the church, this church, has as its two largest budgeted line items, our children's ministry and our young adult ministry, because they are the future of this, not just church, but of this nation. Friends, that's the remnant within the nation itself. And if we lose them, we lose America. So friends, every time you pray with your children, every time you read your children a Bible story, every time you carry them up to church, I was up here this past Wednesday and the gym was slammed full of teenagers seeking after God, hanging out together, having a wonderful fellowship uh, time together as, with other Christians. And every time we encourage our children in their walk with God, we are preserving God's blessing on America. Number two, the second way we can keep the godly remnant strong in America is by seeking to lead others to Christ. Seeking to lead others to Christ. Not only do we need to make sure that the coming generation doesn't forget who Christ is, not only do we need to make sure we remind them of scriptural authority, but in addition to that, we also need uh, to pour out, to increase or expand the ranks of the remnant and make it bigger. Because the bigger the godly remnant becomes, the more the blessings of God will fall on this nation. And what that means is that every time you and I share Christ with a friend, every time we invite someone to church, every time we meet with people in a small group and disciple them and help them grow into a deeper, more faithful walk with Christ, friends, we are preserving, we are uh, digging the roots deeper of God's blessing on this nation. Third and finally, we can strengthen the godly remnant in this country by being serious ourselves by live, to living, in living God-honoring lives. Friends, God is not impressed by the size of the remnant. What God is impressed by, and you see this all through the scriptures, is the quality of the spiritual condition of that remnant. It doesn't matter how many of them there were. God judged nations anyway. It's not about the numbers. It's about the quality of our walk with Christ that matters. I love the story in the Old Testament of Phineas. Some of y'all may know that story of Phineas over in the book of Numbers. Uh, Phineas was... Uh, Israel had fallen back or lapsed back into idolatry. They were worshiping false gods. And so Phineas rose up against this, and he stood almost uh, solely by himself, um, single-handedly, and opposed that evil. Here's what he said in Numbers 25. It says that Phineas, verse 10, it says, Phineas has turned my, back my wrath from the people of Israel. God was going to judge the nation of Israel. It was imminent. It was coming. But because Phineas stood for God and said, no, we are not going to go back to idolatry, it says that God 
uh, turned away his wrath away. And he, was, he says, because Phineas was jealous for my honor among them. Friends, when you and I live like Phineas and seek to honor God to, and seek to be faithful to God and seek to live for God in our own personal walk with him, we become like Phineas. We turn God's wrath away from this nation. Every time you and I get on our knees and pray and intercede for this country, again, we turn God's wrath away from this country. Every time that you and I are obedient to God in our lives and we live out a lifestyle that's faithful to him and obedient to him, we are helping to preserve this great country. Let me say in conclusion that the fate of America is not in the hands of the pornographers. The fate of America is not in the hands of the abortion clinic doctors or lawyers for the ACLU. The fate of America is not in the hands even of Supreme Court justices. No, friends, when it comes to the fate of America, we as followers of Christ, we as the godly remnant, the Bible says, have far greater sway over what God's blessings will be on this nation. Remember what Isaiah said, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. He said, if the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, that is a remnant, we would become like Sodom. We would become like Gomorrah. But thank God that he did leave America a remnant. And we here, friends, at Hebron Christian Church are a part of that remnant. We are part of what God has left in this nation to preserve his blessing over this nation. And friends, his blessing over this nation, it rises and falls on the spiritual condition of our walk with Jesus Christ. And so, friends, our challenge is to love God and to love our nation. And on this July 4th season, for us as followers of Christ, to rise up and be that godly remnant that our nation so desperately needs. Let's pray together. Most gracious God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you so much, Lord, for, um, for your love, uh, for what this country could become and for what it has meant around the world. Uh, Lord, we ask that there would be a challenge set before the people of this nation um, to bring itself back before you. But in addition, Lord, as we wait for that great revival to happen amongst the people of this nation, and as we pray for it and seek for it, may there be revival amongst your people. May, Lord, it not be said of this nation that there was no one righteous, no, not one. Lord, may we as Hebron Christian Church do our part to pass along your righteousness and knowledge of who you are to the up-and-coming generation. May we personally live lives that are holy and righteous and pleasing and faithful in your sight. Lord, we give you this nation. We give you the leaders of this nation. We ask, God, that you would do with it in a way that brings you great glory, not just for our benefit, for our blessing, but, Lord, so that your name can be declared throughout all the heavens and the earth. Lord, as we come to gather around your table at this time, we're reminded of your shed blood and of your broken body. We're thankful, Jesus, for your great love for us that made all these things possible. Lord, if there be any sin in our heart, anything, Lord, that we need to root out and confess and declare, Lord, that's not the way we want to live or way that honors you. May you use these quiet moments this morning, Holy Spirit, to point those out, to put your finger on it, and to cause us to turn from that and live holy for you. God, we give you this space. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen.